okay? So as we're diving in, we are looking at a series we have entitled, Where Are We Going? And as we've been looking at where we're going, our plan has been over the last several weeks to look at the purposes that we feel like God has given to the church. What is it that we're supposed to be doing as a body to be able to grow and actually, you know, what, what's our point as us as a church? If you're a guest with us this morning, we want you to know we're so glad that you're here this morning because you're hearing a little bit more about who we believe God is calling us to become as a church. If you're here this morning, by the way, and you're not yet a follower of Christ, I want you to know how delighted we are that you're here. We hope that this has been an encouragement to you already. I want to warn you a little bit going into this message. We're going to be talking a lot to those who are already in that place where they're following Jesus. So some of the things that we say this morning may not click as well as some of the other things that we would often say. Um, But what we're trying to do is articulate who we believe God's calling us to be as a church. All of this is based off the fact that God loved us so much that he would die on the cross and be buried and raised from the dead so that we can have new life. So those of us who are a part of the church have made that commitment to where we're turning from trusting in what we could do to trusting in what Jesus has done for us. So as we go through that, then our goal is to accomplish these six main purposes. To number one, exalt God in worship. That's what we've kind of already been doing corporately together as we've been singing and reflecting on who God is and who we are and responding in repentance and obedience. Then we talk about encountering God through prayer. We talked about a couple of weeks about how we go about praying. We said that in some sense, prayer is as easy as me talking to you right now or uh, you know, not having to do the public speaking side of it, but you talking to a friend. But there's also sides in which we want to develop our prayer life and get more comfortable in what we're sharing with God and how we're talking to him. And so we, we want to encounter God through prayer. Then we talked about evangelizing the world. And that was the idea of us being able to share that gospel message that I just quickly shared with you about the fact that Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross and was buried and raised from the dead so that we could have new life, so that he could take our sins. And we want to tell everybody about that because that's the best news ever. It's dramatically changed my life and the life of so many in this room. And they would love for you to find out more about that if you haven't figured out how to follow Jesus yet or haven't heard about that. We would love to talk with you more about that. So we spent a couple weeks talking about what that looks like. Now we're in a process of talking about the idea of edifying others through ministry and service. Edify is a really churchy term that just means build up. If you think about an edifice, the front of a building, you know, the building up. So the, the, as we think about it, edifying others is building up others through ministry and service. Now, sometimes that's gonna call us to go outside of the church and we serve others that aren't yet walking with Jesus. But this morning, as we dive in and focus, we're really gonna be talking about how you and I find a place to be able to serve the Lord through what he's doing through his local church, okay? Now, that's the title of this morning's message, and Mike already read our passage for us. We're gonna be in Romans chapter 12. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to go ahead and open that up to Romans chapter 12. Uh, If you need help with that, there should be a table of contents in the front of the Bible. Um, There's a black Bible in the back of the pew there that you're welcome to to borrow if you don't have one. And so as we're going through this, uh, we're gonna be talking about an issue that's called spiritual gifts, okay? Um, Spiritual gifts are a little bit of an interesting topic because as we mentioned last week, the Bible has about four main gifts in the New, or excuse me, lists in the New Testament about different gifts. However, they're very different. The the lists don't stack up well. So there's a lot of discussion about what gifts are still active today and what gifts we don't use or whatever. And and so we're going to kind of put a lot of that aside. We could spend six or eight weeks talking about all of this stuff today. 
What we really want to focus on are what are sometimes referred to as the seven motivational spiritual gifts that you find here in Romans chapter 12. And here's what we're going to go, how we're going to kind of approach this, all right? First, I'm going to give you a couple of guiding principles to think about as you're thinking about your spiritual giftedness. How has God uniquely equipped you to be able to serve and honor and follow him and, and to be able to do that here within the local body? So we're going to talk about a couple guiding principles. Then we're going to look at just a brief definition of the seven gifts that are listed out here. And then we're going to try to understand them through uh, three different scenarios that we'll look at together. How would each gift react? And it's okay to laugh at these. They're a little bit of a caricature, okay? Um, But in, in three different scenarios, how would somebody with this gift likely react to what happened, okay? Then we're going to wrap up with one more thing that we want to talk about, okay? Cool? All right. Lots to cover, lots of ground. And also, by the way, Absolutely none of this is original with me, okay? Uh, I learned this from Tim Height. In fact, these slides were ones that, that I helped him put together when I was at Grace Life serving in a unique role there. Um, so Pastor Tim uh, taught me these things. So uh, some of you, this may look actually familiar. But then as we go through, it's not just... Um, what we've been seeing through that. I also had a conversation with Tim Repass, who's one of our leadership team members. Last Sunday, he and I had a conversation out in the foyer that was kind of tongue-in-cheek that actually made a whole lot of sense and made its way into this week's message. So plenty to cover. Let's try to dive in, okay? First, let's talk about some guiding principles. Uh, As we're getting ready to read, let's go actually, eh, yeah, we'll pick up Romans 12 in just a second. Some guiding principles that will make more sense as we go through, okay? The first guiding principle that you need to understand is that your giftedness or your gifting is not an excuse. Now, Mike already read for you the list of gifts at the very beginning. Some of those things you notice, like the gift of being able to, of giving. Let's take that one, right? Giving or service. As you sit there and look at that, those are things that God requires of every believer, okay? There's an aspect in which all of us are called to use the financial resources that God's given to us, the material resources that he's given. He's entrusted those things to us, and he calls us to invest that back into his kingdom and his work and to help other people with it, right? So here's what you can't say. Well, you know, God didn't give me the gift of giving, so I don't need to give. Or God didn't give me the gift of service, so I don't need to serve. That's not an excuse that you can use, okay? In the same kind of way, you also can't use these gifts as an excuse to look down on somebody else because my gift is more important than your gift or your gift is more important than mine, whatever. We, we talked about that at length last week when we saw 1 Corinthians 12 and saw that, that God's uniquely equipped people in the body with this. So when you think about the way that God has shaped you, you cannot use this as an excuse to disobey the things that God's called you to do. All right, the biggest one we do that on is some believe that that evangelism is a specific gift. And there are some people who seem uniquely gifted at being able to present the gospel and see God draw people to faith in Christ. So they're like, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I don't have to share the gospel. Not at all true. These are basic things that are required of every believer, but there may be things that God has uniquely equipped you to do that come more naturally to you, that come easier to do you, or that you hate doing, but God works through it anyway, all right? It happens that sometimes, uh, in fact, gifts are not your natural talents. So there's a lot of times where your giftedness may not match with who you think you are initially. Um, to give you an example, the president of my seminary uh, that was the founding president was a complete and total introvert, and he was the best evangelist I've ever known. Shared the gospel with anyone that, that breathed and saw hundreds of people come to Christ. You would think that that would be an extrovert kind of thing, but it went against his natural temperament. God pushed him outside of his shell and used him as an effective evangelist. So your gifting is not an excuse, all right? Second thing is, this list is a guide, 
I already mentioned to you, there are four different lists of, of gifts in the New Testament. There's a lot of, not a lot of overlap. There are different gifts on different lists. And so what that means is, as you're going through this this morning, what we're trying to do is give you a little bit of a framework to think about how God has equipped you. But you may not fit neatly into any of these categories. You may feel like God's gifted you in a way that doesn't really fit with any of the ones we're talking about. That's okay, right? Because if, if we only had a real set list of gifts, then it would make sense that, that they'd all be the same. But since there's difference there, these are just kind of representative to get us thinking, okay? Sound good? That'll make more sense as we go through it. Now, let's read the passage, and then we'll start diving in and looking at the actual gifts. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts don't have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I don't wanna belabor this point because we talked about it at length last week, but God has uniquely equipped each and every single person that's a part of this church family to serve in a unique way and we need each other. There can't be any room for pride there. We need each other to be able to serve and see what God does, okay? Now, let's get into the actual list of gifts. Verse six. According to the grace given us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Okay? So here's the list. You've got prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation or encouragement, giving, leadership or organization, and mercy. These are the main categories, and we're going to talk about some of these things because there's some confusion about how they are. So let's try to kind of define some of these. I'm sorry for the small print. We were trying to fit these onto slides, so uh, you can get out your goggles if you need them. Um, or you can do, Brett just had a great idea. Instead of taking a picture, you can, you can zoom in if you need to take a picture. Um, that way, you don't have to write it all down, okay? Um, so as, let's kind of go through each of these. First, looking at the idea of profit, Okay. A prophet is one who uses the Bible to move people to action. Now, let's take a little bit of time here on prophecy because this is the one that probably has the most confusion out of this list. When most people think prophecy, what do you think? Tell the future or end times, you know, some kind of something to do with the future. When you look back at the way that the Bible defines the role of a prophet and the, and the way that God used prophets in the Old Testament especially, there was an aspect where God often let them know things that were coming in the future, okay? That's something that God did uh, that, that you see very clearly throughout the, the minor and major prophets of the Old Testament and even some of the random stories throughout. However, one of the other primary aspects of a prophet was not just foretelling the future, but forthtelling what God was doing now and using the scripture to be able to say, hey, look, this is what God says, and this is where you don't measure up. Okay, One of the, the main roles of a prophet was not just to foretell the future, but instead to be able to say, hey, guys, this is sin. This is not okay. And you need to repent of that. So a prophet today, we would believe that, that mainly that future telling kind of side, that's been fulfilled by God giving us the Bible in its completion. So the Old Testament and the New Testament, God doesn't really tell us the future like he did at one time. Okay, because he's given us the, the scripture that we have in front of us as the main source of, of our knowledge and prophecy and things like that. However, there are still some who are uniquely gifted at being able to confront sin. 
um, to be able to call it out and say, guys, this is where we're going wrong and to call people to repentance. So somebody with the gifting of a prophecy is gonna use the Bible to move people to action, okay? Then we look at those with the gift of service. Now, this one's pretty straightforward. Uh, Those with the gift of service are really uniquely equipped to be able to meet practical needs in the life of other believers, okay? We'll, We'll make this a little bit more clear when we look in a minute. A teacher would be one who is driven by the desire to give accurate facts about the Bible to help others learn the truth of the Bible. If you nerd out on doctrine, then it's likely that God's gifted you to be a teacher. Um, Not necessarily, but usually that's kind of that desire for people to know God's word. Uh, Where the prophet's desire is to move people to action, the the, uh, teacher's desire is more just to help you to understand who God is and how he's revealed himself through the Bible, okay? Make sense? Good so far? All right, well, we've got exhorter. Exhorter is just an encourager. Uh, An exhorter is somebody who's going to encourage Christian growth and maturity. So the exhorter's job is to encourage you. Exhorters are encouragers who wanna help people grow to their full potential for Christ. Then you've got a giver. A giver is someone who uses their resources to advance the work of the ministry in a unique way. By the way, givers do not have to be wealthy and wealthy people are not always givers. That's sometimes the mistake that people make. You remember Jesus, when he was talking about giving, he commended the lady who gave everything that she had when it was almost nothing. She had two mites was what it was called, not dust mites, but little pennies, basically. So she gave all that she had. She was incredibly generous, even if the amount wasn't the same. So just because you're not wealthy doesn't mean that you're not a giver. It's the idea of using those resources the way that God's called you to give, okay? Now, then we have leaders uh, or administration or oversight, depending on which translation you're using. These are folks who can manage resources and organize them in order to reach a final objective. Resources include people, teams, buildings, systems, et cetera. Uh, A lot of these folks are gonna be very goal-oriented, okay? That's one of the ways to be able to tell folks that God is gifted for leadership. Then you also have mercy. Uh, Mercy is the idea of giving comfort and support in times of distress and crisis. Mercy showers are the ones you want at the hospital right? Mercy showers are the ones that when things are going bad, you want somebody that's just going to sit with you and just be there with you and, and, and just kind of rest with you. That, that's somebody who likely has the spiritual gift of mercy, okay? Now, again, just because you're mercy, just because you're tender and compassionate doesn't mean that you're never going to have to confront sin like a prophet would, right? Um, just going back to that excuse idea, all right? So let's see how this plays out. What are, as we look through this, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a scenario And with this scenario, we're going to see how each gift might respond to that scenario. And through this one, we're going to try to find what's the basic motivation behind each of those gifts, okay? So the first one is, oh no, we've spilled a cup of coffee, okay? What happens when the cup of coffee gets spilled, all right? First, you have the prophet. Well, that's what happens when you're not careful, okay? Their motivation is going to be to correct the problem. Okay, by the way, the prophet's going to come off sounding like a jerk in these things. Um, Just because you have the gift of prophecy doesn't mean that you get to be a jerk about it, okay? But that's just kind of the caricature given here, okay? So the prophet's primary motivation is to correct the problem. And so that's what happens when you're not careful. The server says, oh, let me help you clean it up. The motivation is to fulfill a need. By the way, which of these is you? That's what we're trying to do here. As we go through these, which of these is most likely your response, okay? That may give you an indication of the kind of ways that God has gifted you, okay? So server says, oh, let me help you clean that up. They're gonna jump in, try to meet the need. 
the teacher is going to say, you know, the reason it fell is because it was held improperly. Had you had a better grip on the handle, it would um, No, they're going to discover why it happened. They're going to look behind the scenes, try to figure out what's going on. They're going to get out commentaries, and they're going to talk about a time when Josephus writes about a coffee cup that was spilled. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to dig into that kind of stuff, okay? So that's the teacher. Then we move on to the exhorter. Hey, next time, let's serve the coffee with the meal, and then everybody's going to be seated. It'll be good. It'll just be perfect, right? Their motivation is to correct for the future, okay? By the way, in case you're wondering, I actually fall more in the exhorter category. Okay, this is one of the things that, that is, is kind of a gift of mine. I don't like calling out sin. People think I'm a prophet because, or have that kind of prophecy kind of thing because I have to stand up and do that. But I would much rather do it in such a way that says, yes, you, you've sinned here, but here's what God can do. I, I wanna, I, I'm that encourager. That's where I like to be, okay? That's kind of where I like to, to land. Exhorter. Now, um, giver, here, let me buy you another cup of coffee, right? They're gonna meet that physical need. Now, you, you see... Are you finding where you're at in these, by the way? Okay, hopefully. Then you have the leader. Jim, get the mop. Sue, help pick it up. Mary, help me fix more coffee, right? <laughs> Go, do, do, fix, fix. Leaders are the one that's able to step back from the problem and say, this needs to get done, this needs to get done, this needs to get done, this needs to get done. Go, right? So their motivation is to achieve the immediate goal of the group. Uh, leaders are awesome, and we need more of them, okay? May their tribe increase. Mercy, don't feel bad. It could have happened to anybody. I, you know, there was this time I spilled a cup of coffee all over myself, and it's, it's okay. Their motivation is to relieve the embarrassment. Now, again, in that moment, you want mercy showers there. You don't necessarily want the prophet going, well, if you hadn't been such an idiot, right? Your spiritual giftedness, then, you see the motivations behind these various gifts, okay? Now, let's look at this one. How about in a hospital visit? Okay, how do folks react when they come to see you in the hospital? They find out that something's happened and you're there. The prophet says, well, you know, what's God trying to say to you through there? Is there some sin you haven't confessed? Is there a reason why God's afflicted you this way? Maybe it's because you're not walking closely with him and you need to get that fixed. Perhaps the server, he said, hey, here's a little gift. I brought in your mail, I fed your dog, I watered the plants, and I washed all your dishes for you. They're the server. They're going to get in. They're going to do things behind the scenes. And they're not, in fact, actually, what will really happen is when the server shows up and says, here's a little gift, they probably won't tell you they did all those things. You're just going to get home and find the grass mowed and the mail in and the dog fed and, because they're just going to do it. And a lot of times the server won't tell you what's going on, okay? A teacher, I did some research on your illness and I believe that I can explain what's happening, <laughs> right? Medical professionals hate that, um, I WebMD'd it, and I figured out that you have death. Um, so teachers, okay? Now, again, these are humorous illustrations. I hope that you're seeing these are caricatures, but this is just kind of the ways that God may have equipped you, okay? An exhorter, how can we use what you're learning here to help others in the future? Well, boy, this is tough, isn't it? But one day, isn't God going to be able to use this for something great? That's going to be your exhorter, okay? Next, you've got your giver. Hey, do you have insurance to cover this? Uh, does your wife need gas money for coming down here to the hospital? Uh, anything you guys need? You know, I've had the privilege of being around several people over the years who have that gift of giving. Um, it's uncanny. I've been at other churches where there were folks that were really heavily gifted with giving. And um, 
the secretary would get a phone call in the morning about a need that they had, and then get a phone call independently in the afternoon where the lady would say, hey, God put this on my heart that, that there may be a need for X amount. Do you know where that could be? And it would match. I mean, it's just, it is unbelievable when you need to watch people who have the gift of giving and see the blessing it is that, of them connecting with the needs. Uh, unreal, okay? Moving forward, leader. Uh, don't worry about a thing. I've assigned your job to four other people in the office. We've got it covered. Uh, nothing's going to happen. We got it. Uh, we will move on without you. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> in, a, in a bad way, leaders can steamroll. That's part of it, right? Because the goal's got to get done. Then mercy. I can't begin to tell you how I felt when I learned you're sick. Now, mercy is not my giftedness. All right. That's, that's one of the things. I'm just not great at it. Um, but how are you feeling? There are people that God has gifted with mercy, and I am so incredibly grateful for them. But that's not necessarily me, all right? Now, again, that doesn't mean that I can be a jerk, right? That doesn't give me an excuse to say, well, I'm, I'm not mercy, so I'm not going to do that. But it does mean that when we have a need, we're going to look for somebody that's got mercy if, if mercy is what's needed. Somebody with more of a prophetic voice if prophetic voice is needed. Somebody with leadership abilities if organizations needed all those kind of things. God uniquely equips each one. Now, one last scenario to look through here as we look at it, okay? How the gifts are being used in the church and answer the question of what this church really needs is, okay? A prophet is going to say, what this church really needs is well-prepared sermons, exposing sin, proclaiming righteousness, and warning of the judgment to come, right? That's going to be a prophet. That's what the church needs. A server is going to say, we need practical assistance to every member of the church to encourage and help them to fulfill their responsibilities. Then we see a teacher. A teacher says, we need in-depth Bible studies with special emphasis on the precise meaning of the words. An exhorter is going to say, we need personal counseling and encouragement for every member to assist them in applying scriptural principles to their daily life. Then you've got a giver who said, we need generous programs of financial assistance to the missionaries and to other people who have needs or other ministries that we can come up with. Leaders said, we need smooth running organization throughout the church so that every phase will be carried out decently and in order. Then mercy showers are gonna say, we need special outreach and concern for the precise and varying feeling needs of individuals with a readiness to meet that need. We just need to get in and just love on people, right? Now, which of these fits out most likely for you? Again, you may find yourself kind of going across categories. This is not a perfect rubric, but, but which of these is most likely where you're at? Prophet, server, teacher, exhorter, giver, leader, mercy shower. Which of these most likely categorizes you? Because God's given you a unique gift. And here's the thing. As we go through that and like the, what do we need in the church? The reality is we need all seven of those things. So you may sit there and say, well, I don't think we need in-depth Bible study. We need in-depth Bible study. We need to proclaim righteousness. We need to give generously to missionaries and to those who have unique need. We need to have compassion ministry that we go around and love and minister and care. We need to do all of these things, which is why God puts us together in the body because you have gifts that I don't. I have gifts that you don't. That doesn't make either of us better than the other. It makes us different. So part of finding your place to serve is to sit down and say, okay, God, of these seven, which of these most likely categorizes me? Now, if you look through the church org chart, which we don't actually have one, but if you were to look through it, you wouldn't find 
a slot for profit, a slot for mercy shower, a slot for server. But you'd find a whole lot of places where we need folks to work. In fact, actually, one of the things we're developing uh, over the next several weeks, and I emailed our ministry leaders, but they don't like me, and so they don't read my emails. Um, But I emailed our ministry leaders about this this week. We're wanting to put together a church job board um, to be able to look at where are their weaknesses, where are their openings in our ministries that we actively currently have, uh, to be able to fill those needs and be able to find places for people to serve. And the reality is each of our teams needs people with each of these gifts. It may be that your primary gift is service, but you need to lead a little bit because we need somebody to step up and lead that, okay? Uh, There may be some things like that where where your your gift may fit into a bunch of different categories because, you know, for instance, um, maybe somebody who's high in prophecy may not do great in the nursery, Um, you know? You should be walking by now. Like that's not, that's probably not what we want. But at the same time, you know, somebody with service, somebody who wants to teach our preschoolers the word of God, somebody who wants to encourage parents by giving them a little bit of a break and encourage these kids to walk in godliness, somebody who loves to give their time, somebody who has some leadership ability that wants to help kind of develop that system a little bit more than Rebecca's had the time to be able to do, somebody who's merciful and just loves to hold babies and all of those gifts would fit in that category, right? And again, profit can too. You just don't be a jerk about it, right? All of these gifts have excesses. If we had more time, we would go through what happens when these gifts aren't operating well, um, but we don't have time for all that. Which of these is you? Now, here's where the conversation I had with Tim came in the other day. How many of you are familiar with a principle in business or production called the law of the unattainable triad, okay? Any of you familiar with this? All right. Good, fast, and cheap are the three points on the triad. Pick two. You cannot have all three, right? So you can have something that's fast and good, but it's not going to be cheap. You can have something good and cheap, but you're not going to get it fast. You can get something fast and cheap, but it's not going to be good, right? That's in business. That's kind of this principle of the law of the unattainable triad. As Tim and I were joking about it, he actually, I think, uh, borrowed some things from John Cotter, who's a Harvard business leadership guru kind of guy. Um, but we were able to adapt those a little bit to the church. To Instead of the law of the unattainable triad, we have the law of unrealized giftedness. Now, that's totally made up just because I needed something for the top of the slide, okay? Let's just, let's be honest. This is never going to see the light of day beyond this. However, the triangle seems to make sense. Ready? willing, and able. We need folks who are ready, willing, and able to use their giftedness. But if we're honest, a lot of times those who are not walking closely with Christ, you may hit two of the three, but you're not hitting all three. For instance, you may be ready. Let's define them because that'll help us make sense of this a little bit more. Ready is that you are saved, You have a relationship with Christ and you are maturing in your relationship with Christ. So you're growing to know Jesus better. So so for us, we understand that that skills to do something must not exceed character. Like character matters in the church more than your practical skills. The, The reason, like the clearest example of this is all of the pastors that you've seen in the news who have fallen into immorality or into greed or or whatever it may be. All of those happen because these guys have allowed their giftedness to outpace their character. 
So for instance, you've got young guys who are really gifted preachers, who are incredible speakers, who can really get the crowd worked up and really get them engaged. And so they get a platform and all of a sudden they're leading this huge church, but their character wasn't ready for that. And they fall morally because of it. So as we're thinking about folks plugging in and serving here, the first thing that needs to be true of you is you need to be spiritually ready. You need to be saved. You need to have a relationship with Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And and with that, you need to be maturing. You need to be growing in your walk with Christ. You see, as you think about that, there are different levels of maturity required at different stages. Somebody who is a brand new believer who just followed Jesus and just got saved, they're just as saved as somebody who's been saved for 50 years. But they don't have the same knowledge. They don't have the same strength. So we're not gonna take somebody who just made that decision to follow Christ, who just started that walk with him, we're not gonna allow them to teach a Sunday school class because they don't have the the basis that they need yet. They're not ready for that. Their character needs to develop. And it's the same kind of way though, they would be perfect as a greeter. If they're excited about, now if they're, grumpy, then no. But if they're excited about life and they're excited about Jesus, you don't have to have a super high level of spiritual maturity to serve as a greeter, right? So there's different stages along this, different progression. And maybe for you today, you may feel like you're serving in a way, but God's calling you to step it up a notch and you're needing to step into some kind of leadership role or or to serve in a new way. And the first thing you need to do is make sure that you're ready for that, to make sure that you're bringing your character in line that you're not living in unconfessed sin, none of us are perfect, but that you recognize that when you sin, you're seeking forgiveness, you're walking in repentance, you're trying to grow through those things, you're ready. Second is that you're willing. Willing is that idea of a God-given desire to do this and and investing, I'm willing to, to have this desire that God's developed in me to do this, and I'm also willing to invest the time and the energy. Willingness is that I'm, I'm ready to make this commitment and understand this is gonna be a, a thing that, that's gonna require stuff of me. So I'm, I'm willing to do that. And then the last one is able. Now with able, the best way I can describe this is what I call the American Idol effect, okay? You've all watched the American Idol or America's Got Talent or something like that. And there's that super confident young man. My mom says, I'm the best singer that ever was. And I I was born for this, right? And then they get in and they start to sing and they're like, oh, Danny boy, right? And you're like, why did your mother lie to you? Someone should have loved you enough to say, no, this is not okay. Can we be honest? This happens in church sometimes. Somebody may be willing and and morally and and in their walk with Christ, they may be ready, but they just don't have an ability in this area. See, that's okay. One of the things that I would encourage you as you're thinking about your giftedness, understand that part of this is just try something, okay? Just do something. And you may find out a week into it, this is not how God's equipped me. Here's what, and that's great when you come to that realization, but here's the hard part. You may think that you're doing okay, but it may be that whoever God's put in leadership over that area may have to come to you and say, hey, Sean, I really appreciate your heart. I really appreciate your willingness, but I don't think this is the place that God's equipped you to serve. Let's find somewhere for you. 
Now, that sounds really harsh. So that's why I'm telling you now, expect that to happen. Expect that those who love you and who are leading may say, you know what? I am so grateful for your heart. This is just not that place. And, and maybe it's something where you're just not ready. You've, you've got to develop some skills. Maybe it is that you're in a leadership role and you've got to develop some ability to lead others. And, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But just be ready for that conversation. And by the way, as I say that, there is literally no one on my mind that we're having that conversation with this week. Anything like, so I was like, oh no, that's me. No, no, no. I'm just saying, moving forward, expect that those who are in leadership in these areas love you enough that we want you to find the place where you're flourishing, where your giftedness, your willingness, and your ability all match. Because see, some of you, you may be willing and you're able, but your character is not ready. You're not. So you need to, today, your commitment needs to be, God, I need to get this sin area in place. I need to, to develop this discipline so that I can do whatever you've called me to do. Some of you, you may be ready and able, but you're not willing. Listen, life's busy. I get it. You may be burnt out from serving in a different church or a different area or something like that. You just don't want to do it. Would you ask God then to give you the willingness if that's what he wants you to do? And again, some of you may be ready and willing, but not able. That's okay. Maybe you're able in a different area and we need to plug you in there. Or maybe we need to start developing you so that you can get to the point where you have the skills that you need to be able to do that thing. By the way, in case any of you are still struggling with that idea, if I got up every Sunday and made no sense, but I told you that I really felt like God had called me to preach. Like if I got up here and rambled for 45 minutes every week and didn't make a lick of sense, I hope you would love me enough to say, Sean, I know you want to do this, but this is not what God's gifted you to do. And I hope that the church wouldn't allow me to continue. The same should be true of all of our ministry areas. If you wouldn't let me keep preaching if I couldn't preach, then I shouldn't let you serve in an area where you're not gifted. Because it's not good for the church. It's not good for you. It's just not good. All right? So ready, willing, and able. Which of these three is the weak spot for you? Which of these three is the one that's causing you the most heartburn as you think about it? What do you need to do differently this week because of that? See, we're doing all of this because this is Jesus's body and we want to grow in Christ-likeness. We want to, to sit here and take the time to be able to know him and honor him as you address each of these things. Again, just find somewhere to serve. And finding somewhere to serve may not be an official position even. There are folks who do things unofficially around here all the time. That doesn't mean that they're doing it against what God's doing through the church. It's complementing in ways that we don't have official positions. We don't have an official position of picking you up for church on Sunday morning. But we have folks who do that because they have the gift of service and they serve others by picking them up and bringing them to church. There are things like that that just get in and do something. What if I'm wrong? Great, figure it out. If somebody reminded me this week, God steers moving ships, right? You, you can't really steer a ship that's not moving. But you start doing something and let God correct it. So no, this isn't it. And that's okay. We got a lifetime to figure this stuff out together, right? God's in the process of shaping you. So of these then, which of these needs to be your place of service? What's God uniquely equipped you to do? How's he working? Now, 
With that in mind, why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute? We're not going to do anything weird if you're a guest with us. This is just a time where we take some time to kind of quiet our minds and our bodies a little bit to do business with God. Daniel's going to come up and he's going to play for us. As we're talking this week about finding your place to serve, is there something that God's put his finger on? Is there an area where you're not ready? There's something in your character that would keep you from being able to serve that way. Would you ask God to give you the the strength to make that change, to develop that discipline, to grow through that? Is there a place where you know that God's been calling you to step out and serve, but you're not willing because you're afraid or because you just don't want to because of the time or the energy that it's going to take or because you've been hurt before or because of fill in the blank? What do you need to do to be willing? And then maybe there's something that you're ready and willing to do, but you're just not sure if you're able you need to send me an email this week or talk to one of our deacons or one of our deacons' wives or, or Don Hale, who's over our women's ministry or, or Randy Marshall, who's over our men's ministry or Rebecca, who's over our children's ministry or Brett, who's been helping with our youth. Maybe you need to talk to one of them and say, hey, I, I want to do this, but I don't know how. And we'll equip you with some resources. We'll help you to grow, to develop the skills that you need. Just do something. So take a minute there and ask God, what is it that you'd have me to do? And I'll close us in prayer after a time of doing business with him. Father, I thank you for all of the servants who are in this room, your people who are already serving you in new ways. They're already using their giftedness. I thank you for all of the ministry that you accomplished, whether it's the gift of giving that allows us to be able to give generously to the Hill Church, whether it's acts of mercy where folks come alongside and pray for others and acts of service where we take meals or help with putting together fellowships and activities and things. For those with gifts of music that that lead us in worship, our teachers who work with our children, our youth, and with our adults teaching them your word. Thank you for all of these gifts and so many more. Would you help us to become a people who are ready, who are in a right relationship with you, both through salvation and then also in working out that salvation that you've put in us and in the way that we live and growing in maturity. Would you create in us a willingness, such a passionate love for you that we want to do whatever you call us to do and it's just the overflow of our heart. Give us that desire and that willingness to invest. And Father, we know that there's a lot of practical skills required in a lot of the things that we do. So would you give us the words to say when we need to talk? Give us the the ability to do things, the wisdom to know what we need to train ourselves in, to grow in, how you want to use us all so that we can be a people who are your body, your church, doing what you've called us to do, to live like Jesus and to lead others to do the same. So God, we ask that you solidify any commitments we've made this morning in our heart. Lead us to do what you call us to do. Give us the strength to follow through. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.